show. Obviously, you're not a golfer. What kind of beer do you like? Heineken! Fuck that shit! Pop, spoon, ribbon! You take drugs, Danny? Every day. Good. So what's the problem? I don't know. Money, 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 money! I drink your milkshake! I drink it up! Son of a bitch. Stole mine. You're a cantaloupe. <laughs> Welcome back to a brand new edition of WTM Watch This Movie. I'm your host, Eric Mulder. Eric, he is a bad, bad man. I'm joined once again by Mr. Wolfie T. Wait for the wolf who should be coming directly. Oop. Where did where the rest of that clip go? Mm, I cut it off, I guess. Okay. <laughs> well, there it is. That's oh, you said the wolf? <laughs> yes, yes, the wolf man's here. He's in the house, and it is February. In the hizzy for shizzy. <laughs> uh, February is Black History Month. In the past, we've done uh, top five African-American performances in film. Not sure if we've done top five films on race. I know that's on our list of things to do if we haven't done it yet. They'd all be John Singleton movies. <laughs> it's up on the wall here. We see movies about race. Appar- apparently that means we haven't done it. Yeah, because apparently I have not erased it yet. So. Although I see you still have Psycho up there. I know you did Psycho. Yep. See, it isn't always updated. Uh, On the big board, as they say. <laughs> it's, a, it's about a medium-sized board, actually. So, this year, uh, we're going to be looking at exploitation films, more specifically the subgenre of black exploitation. Because it's not something I'm all that familiar with. I pretty much only know it through um, Tarantino films and other similar films like that. Parodies. Parodies. Like I've seen Black Dynamite that came out like five years ago, maybe. Yeah, it might be older than that now. Yeah. But Have you seen that? I think so. Yeah. Operation Code Kansas. No, I don't know that. Isn't that from that movie? Maybe. I, I saw it once. I liked it. I just know uh, Tech 9 referenced that in one of those oh. <laughs> You guys need to know anything about wrestling or Tech 9? You talk to Tech, Mr. Brett. Tech 9 has an awful lot of Kevin Hart references in his music. <laughs> Say it with your chest. So, since, uh, like, for example, Tarantino has a lot of black exploitation themes and elements in some of his films specifically Jackie Brown, which we'll be doing at the end of this slate of films. Next we're going to be doing Coffee today. Next week we're going to be doing Dolomite. And then we'll be doing Live and Let Die and Jackie Brown. Yeah. If you haven't seen Coffee or Dolomite, you need to go see them. They're pretty spectacular. They're amazing. Well, I haven't seen Dolomite yet, but from what what I gather from you, it's... It's amazing. I'm not going to be disappointed. And it is, uh, since you talk about how often it's referenced in you know, rap music and black culture just in general, 
If, if you want to get, just get a taste of Dolomite, go on YouTube and look up uh, Baby Got Your Money by uh, Old Dirty Bastard. Because that music video is all clips from Dolmite <laughs> with a couple of uh, ODB spliced in there. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think I used to think that it was a like a parody, but after seeing Dolmite, I realized those are actual clips from the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, like I said, uh, I mean, yes, I've seen exploitation films. It's not my strongest subject. When it comes to I just film, studying film, you know, in general, um, much less black exploitation. I've seen very few. Uh, Live and Let Die, I'd obviously seen. That's like the more, maybe one of the most mainstream black exploitation films ever made. Yeah. M- mainly because it's a well, James it's Bond James movie. Bond. Yeah. It's a different property, but it's mixed in. It was. James Bond likes to do it's very reactionary to what's going on in film like for example Moonraker came out one year after Star Wars because Star Wars came out and they're like oh space yep. this is the new fi- we need to send James Bond into space that's what we need to do so we got Moonraker sounds like a winner and uh, black exploitation films were very they were popular like a lot of just exploitation films in general in the 70s were very popular and then we got live and let die out of that and then we'll be going over a breakdown of Jackie Brown because that's kind of a more modern homage yep. to these films. And so we're just just kind of broadening my horizons, learn a little bit about the black exploit <laughs> black exploitation Diverse, genre, diversifying your uh, you ever your, have that? Uh, movie Words taste. You, can't get. you ever have that? <laughs> I say that every time I, I stumble on words. I talked over it. You ever have that? words you can't get <laughs> little ron burgundy all the time <laughs> yeah in fact i'm probably gonna add it in the last episode when i think you had you stumbled on the same word <laughs> easy for me to say yeah um i don't know you just want to get into it yeah let's coffee it. coffee pam greer pam greer Oof. the queen of black exploitation there is not enough to say about pam greer she looks amazing in that movie also. She looks amazing in anything I've ever seen her in. That's I mean, true. Jackie Brown, That's she's... Gotta forget. Well, first of all, we'll just look up Pam Greer, her birth year. She was born in 49, so... She was about 47 or so when she made Jackie Brown. She looks fantastic in Jackie Brown. Yeah, yeah I agree. And obviously looks amazing on coffee and she's kind of the people call her the godmother of i guess black exploitation a lot of her films were kind of early on in the i don't want to say movement but in that the trend the the black exploitation fad well she was probably the uh the most well-known or you know the, mm-hmm. the most popular at least for for female characters yeah otherwise like you mentioned uh rudy ray moore is dolomite right yep. pd wheatstraw was another character uh rudy ray moore played okay the devil's uh, son-in-law shaft shaft that's true that's probably the maybe the most well-known or like black exploitation film at least for males yep because i mean pam greer obviously she's african-american but also also obviously a woman 
And when these films are coming out, that was you didn't see stuff like this. No. And she kicks a lot of ass in most <laughs> yeah. of her movies. She looks amazing and yeah, she kicks a lot of ass. So it's kind of like, oh, uh, why wouldn't you watch it? It's like it came out in 2017 and uh Paul Feig uh, directed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cuz I mean, only it's good for the males. I mean, very attractive kick-ass woman. Yeah. Something something males want to see. For the females, a uh, woman who... Very guess, empowering is the word you're looking for. Yes, well, very empowering for women, but someone who, yes, stands up to the man, or not just white men, but men in general. That's right. It's very uh, very empowering for women, very her getting revenge. Very feminist, mm-hmm. if you will. Yes. A black Jane Austen of the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, yeah, let's give a little background first on, I guess we can continue talking about Pam Greer. Like I said, she was known for films like this in the 70s, starting with Coffee and uh, Foxy Brown, Sheba Baby, Friday Foster. Uh, she was in a couple of films before Coffee, but Coffee's the one that really made her a star. Uh, for background on more black exploitation films, I mean, obviously it's a part of exploitation films which could be one of them's black exploitation you know another one's like biker films like marlon brando in the wild one from 53 was like pretty much the first movie about like a motorcycle gang and that led to a huge rush of motorcycle gang movies in like the late 50s and 60s yeah i haven't seen any of those okay yeah um but you know there's a lot of them were they would stick to genres, but they would mix genres a lot. It's like with coffee, it's action, it's comedy. There's a lot of sex in there. So, yeah, sexy. I guess, yeah. like, by today's standards, I wouldn't say it's NC-17. It's just, you know, no, boobs, but there's a lot of boobs. There's Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of boobs. It's like the 80s cranked up to 11. Yeah. And, and they don't they don't waste an opportunity to show you some titties. Mm-hmm. Anytime they could uh, fit it in there, they fit it in there. Yep. So, like we said, there's biker films. There's just car films. There's cannibal films, horror exploitation films. Um, there's a lot of stuff that are, I guess, a lot of subgenres within that genre. <laughs> Would you call the car? A car exploitation film? I think so. In fact, there's a reference to the car damn near at the end of this, even though this came out before the car. But we'll get to that later. Um, so let's get back to coffee. If, if you don't know about the car, it's a movie about a car that terrorizes a town. <laughs> Kills people. It's It's fantastic. So, coffee... From 1973, it was directed by Jack Hill, also written by Jack Hill, starring Pam Greer, Booker Bradshaw, yeah, Robert Duque, 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 William Elliott, Ellen Arbus, Sid Haig, who's awesome in here. It's great to see Sid Haig and stuff. Um, Lisa Faringer, John Perrick. We'll give you some character names as well. 
Pam Greer plays Coffee, the title character. Booker Bradshaw is Howard Brunswick, who's kind of her politician boyfriend. He's a city councilman who's about to run for Congress, mm-hmm. who uh, is dating Coffee. Robert Duque is King George, who's a pimp and a pusher. Is his own theme song. You'll hear all about it. Hey, he's a super pimp. Well, he's <laughs> fucking awesome. That he is. William Elliott plays Carter, who is a friend of uh, Coffee's. He's uh, one of the. He's a policeman. And he's, like the few straight policemen in town. He's not. He's not a crooked cop like all the other ones. He's like the only honest cop in town. Yeah, basically. He's like, uh, oh, what was that character from uh, the Toxic Adventure? Everybody knows that he's an honest cop. <laughs> you don't yeah, have don't that know. club anymore, do you? No, I don't. Ah, shit. <laughs> the one time it would fucking fit. <laughs> Everybody knows he's an honest cop. We have Alan Arbus as Arturo Vitroni. He's like another mob guy who's kind of above King George. Yeah. Um, he's kind of running shit in town. He likes, in, his, he likes his women exotic and uh, submissive. And uh, we found out he's in cahoots with uh, Howard Brunswick, Coffee's boyfriend politician guy. Sid Haig plays Omar, who's kind of like the... He's a goon. Yeah, he's like the big henchman for he's Vitroni. Arturo, yeah, Vitroni's henchman. And he is looking svelte in here. He is intimidating as fuck in this. He, he's in pretty good shape there, yeah. He's pretty jacked. Especially after you, you've mostly seen him as Captain Spaulding with his yeah. fat gut hanging out. That's another connection with Tarantino's films. Obviously, he had Pam Greer in uh, Jackie Brown, but Sid Haig was also in there. And he's also in Kill Bill Volume 2. I believe it's two he's uh he works at the titty bar that uh michael madison's that, i don't remember that bud plays in i've only seen it one time i don't remember uh, he's a bartender but anywho yeah sid haig is great every time you see him and he's in a lot of these black exploitation films uh, in the 70s especially pam greer's it's pretty much looking at all hers sid haig's in like all of them so they were pretty collaborative in the 70s uh, synopsis a black nurse takes vigilante justice against inner city drug dealers after her sister becomes their latest victim and her sister can't be more than 12 years old yeah she's pretty young and she's in a, a rehab facility because she's hooked on smack <laughs> yeah smack what all the dope pushers are pushing these days uh, she probably got started on prescription opioids and then had a had a switch to heroin yeah, see, I forget. Do they outright call it heroin? Well, it's it's heroin. I mean, smack is heroin. Okay. Don't you ever watch cops? I mean, they <laughs> there's a lot of names for heroin, <laughs> and smack can mean a lot of things. But yes, in this case, it's heroin. Which uh, King George, his huge stash, he's got a massive stash <laughs> of heroin underneath his fireplace. <laughs> it actually wasn't that big yeah it was a little pill bottle full. <laughs> it's ridiculous all right now would you like to go through the synopsis here we'd use the one from wikipedia and kind of burn through this quickly and then we can stop and talk about we got notes or you just want to go through notes and tell the story that way 
Why don't you go through the synopsis? All right. I'll read a little bit, and then we'll go back. Nurse Coffee Coffin. Yeah, her last name's Coffin. Her nickname's Coffee. Seeks revenge for younger sisters getting hooked on drugs and having to live in a rehabilitation home, a product of the drug underworld, mob bosses, and a chain of violence that exists in her city. The film opens with Coffee showing her vigilante nature by killing a drug supplier and dealer. She does this without getting caught by using her sexuality as an attractive and athletic... What? Yeah, she uses her sexuality as an attractive and athletic woman willing to do anything for a drug fix. She lures the men to their residence, which gives her the privacy to kill both. After the killings, Coffee returns to her job at a local hospital operating room, but is asked to leave when she is too jumpy when handing tools to the surgeon. So it starts out with Tarantino's, well, the song... Um, used in Jackie Brown also opens coffee dun, 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 which is played during like the I guess kind of climax in Jackie Brown when the money's changing hands in the mall yeah when they're walking around that's what's playing that's what happens when uh this some young street tough walks into a, a bar it's kind of like a a mob bar almost it's like, like a yeah. it's like a nightclub type yeah the thing. the black underworld nightclub type of thing and he's like i got something for you he's like i got you some tail and the the dude's like man i got more tail than i know what to do with i even got white tail man, look at this and he's got just his table full of his his, his prostitutes or whatever he's got <laughs> his like, loyal no. army of prostitutes <laughs> and he's like no nah, man Donald this, this woman's not like those other ones man you gotta come see her and uh so he's got coffee out in his car and she's uh, playing like she's a junkie, trying to get straight, and she'll do anything to mm-hmm. get straight. And uh, we have a clip from that uh, right here. Let him watch. Let him watch. <laughs> right one. Uh, Mr. Jones is not here today. No. Uh, but no, this is from right when uh, the two guys get to the car, pretty much. And they meet Coffee. You say she'll do anything? <laughs> That's what she said, man. Ain't she something? Too much for me. Get in. You drive. Well, honey, you're with friends at last. We're going to straighten you out for sure. You know just the words that turn me on. And I know what you want, too. And you're going to get it. Let's go to your place, Grover. You can have the leftovers. No, man, I just want to get high and watch. <laughs> so, so basically they agree that she's too much for just one of them. But uh, Grover, he just wants to get high and watch. <laughs> you, can, you can have the leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't no fun if the homies can't have none. <laughs> yeah, I do... Uh... It was, it was kind of jarring to like, hear that at the beginning because they're just like, these women are, throughout the film, women are just obviously seen as objects pretty much yeah. the whole time. They're either, um, you know, prostitutes or they're just like hooked on drugs. Yeah. Pretty much every woman you see, except for coffee and like another nurse, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. And so it was just like, eh, I just want to get high and watch. You're like, wait, what? Yeah. And then he's just talking about... Have you seen Pam Greer? Yeah. And he's like, oh, this woman, she's way too much for one man. <laughs> like, really, dude? 
and then uh, they get back to her, I guess his place. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what the pusher's name was. Uh, Grover was the other dude. Uh, yeah, as Grover you heard was in the clip. Guy driving him. Grover, let's go back to your place. So she basically starts to undress. He starts to undress, and then she pulls out a huge sawed-off shotgun. Yeah. And then uh, she does this. This is the end of your rotten life, you motherfucking dope pusher. That was uh, the sound of uh, his face coming off. Yeah, Yeah, there's like a huge hole in his head after that. I'm surprised that any of his head was still there afterwards. (laughs) uh, Point blank. Yeah, she puts it right in his face and pulls the trigger. It's pretty ruthless and pretty badass. And then Grover's in the bathroom shooting up and... uh, she goes in and uh, she gives. She's got a needle of something that's uh, that's lethal, or whatever. And, and well, she, she basically just makes him overdose. Yeah. So because uh, he already injected himself the heroin, she's like, "No, do it again. Yeah. Do it again." It does it two or three times total. And she shoots him up again. Yeah. And uh, he does OD. They find him dead later. Mm-hmm. Or at least. Uh, when she goes back to the hospital, her cop friend Carter is talking about how they just found this uh, this drug pusher and his dealer uh, dead in their house or their apartment or whatever. The one dude got shot in the face. The other dude OD'd, not knowing that he's talking to the killer. <laughs> All right, we'll pick back up on Wikipedia here. The film introduces Coffee's police friend Carter, who used to date Coffee in their younger years. Carter's portrayed as a straight shooting officer who is not willing to bend the law for the mob or thugs who have been bribing many officers at his precinct. Coffee doesn't believe his strong moral resolve until two hooded men break into Carter's house while she's there and beat Carter severely, that, temporarily crippling him. That jumped way ahead. Yeah. This enrages Coffee, giving her further provocation to continue her work as a vigilante, killing those responsible for harming Carter and her sister. Well, before that, we meet Coffee's actual boyfriend. Yeah, I would say this is right here if you just want me to read that part. Coffee's boyfriend, Howard Brunswick, is a city councilman who appears to be deeply in love with Coffee at the beginning of the film. Coffee admires Brunswick for his body as well as his use of law to solve societal problems. She's very happy when he announces his plan to run for Congress and his purchase of a nightclub. The two share a passionate love scene in the first part of the film. Yeah, that's where it kind of ended a little weird because they're kind of sitting there and she like like dumps <laughs> yeah, a glass get, of wine like on his junk and yeah. then just starts going to town. Yeah, then she's uh, she's got to suck it off. Yeah, and they're like, but they don't mention that like she just does it, right? Because <laughs> yeah. like they're talking like they're gonna fool around and it's, then I think they just got done having sex and then they were talking and then they go have a cocktail and. She just pours hers in his lap, and then her head goes down, and then they cut to the next scene. It's like, what the fuck? You just put red wine <laughs> over my carpet? He has a nice house. I'm not sure what kind right of Right on the beach. I'm not sure what kind of liquor it was. I don't think it was wine. It was something else, a martini or something. Yeah, it was, it was a little weird, but <laughs> <laughs> still funny. I did make note of that also, so. But, uh, uh, yeah, we're introduced to Howard uh, Brunswick. Uh, he's at the club with, was it a fellow councilman or I don't know who that other guy was, to be honest. He's either another councilman or a middleman yeah. between him and Vitroli, v- Vitroni, 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 
I like to call him Arturo. I'd like to be on a first name basis with him. Now, Vitroni, that sounds like an Italian name, but it seemed like they were going with like a Jewish stereotype for that character. <laughs> That's what it seemed like. I think he was Italian, but I don't know. It he, seemed like I was like, is that like a racist, like Jewish stereotype in like the seventies, maybe? Because uh, he had curly hair, almost like a f- afro. He had, he had like a mini afro. He had a bit of a Jew fro going. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe he was Jewish too, but he was definitely Italian. Yeah. Yeah. Regardless, um, but uh, we can talk about um, Howard and his friend are talking business at the uh, at the club there. I think you got a clip for that, don't you? I do have a clip for that. All right. Here it is. Howard, I think your interest in this place goes a little beyond just sticking your nose into those books once in a while. Uh, Ruben, you know I never mix business with pleasure. Except in a ratio of three to one. <laughs> when I was a cop on the east side, I had the same ratio, only the other way around. Well, I didn't say how I mixed them. <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> yeah, I have, I have no idea what that means, but it sounds fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, they're having like a little, I guess, quote unquote, business meeting, but they're at like a, it was like some sort of a strip club. There was a, but, there was a topless dancer uh, right next to their table. Yeah, but she was like enclosed in like fire around her feet. Like yeah. on rocks, almost like she's on a pedestal was, surrounded by fire, but she wasn't moving around, you know, shaking it in front of people's faces or giving lap dances. It was classy. It was real. It was a classy. It was a sit down <laughs> restaurant with naked girls dancing. She did have a G string on, so it was, you know, it was, it was classy. Yeah. <laughs> Bottoms up. <laughs> And then, uh, you know, coffee shows up and then they, you know, they go have their passionate love scene. But yeah, it's uh, okay. Three to one ratio. What does that mean? And what does it mean when the guy says he had the same thing, but the other way around? Yeah. When he was a cop. It was on, a like, one to three ratio. What does that mean? Yeah. I Maybe folks at home can help us figure it out. I think it's one of those lines that sounds really fucking cool, but doesn't mean anything. Yeah, that's probably what it is. Um, next, is that all he had on that little section? Yep. Or uh-huh. actually, uh, I take that back. When they were at the club, there was a dude uh, who had one eye watching them, and uh, yeah, the most good, like conspicuous person in there. <laughs> It's like, how can he like big ass thick glasses and one of them was blacked out one of the lenses was blacked out and there was a waitress taking pictures of people and she kind of got the one-eyed dude in one and uh he uh, he went in the dark room to confront the waitress and did he hit her he threatened to hit her yeah and he threatened to cut her tit off oh that's Remember? right that's he took right. Out a knife he, he and took his- <laughs> He ripped her top open. Which happens then, about three dozen times in this movie. And then he, he put his knife up to her titty and he says, give me the film or I'll cut it off. Yeah. And she gives him the film. Just another great example of how men treat women in this movie. <laughs> um, in these films in general, 
Uh, also, of note, uh, we talked about, you know, she's she's over at her friend Carter's house. And two hoods come in. It's it's Sid Haig and well, they're, they're in ski masks. They're so in ski you masks. Tell. You don't you don't know it's them. You couldn't but, tell. But, but yeah, uh, that was Sid Haig, right? And another henchman, probably. But the yeah, he gets a phone call from his cop friend to see if he's in on the, you know, taking some drug money, and uh, he turns it down. Because he's a good cop. He's an honest cop. And uh, about 10 seconds later, there's two <laughs> masked dudes breaking down his front door. And then they come in and, and just beat the shit out of him with baseball bats. Mm-hmm. Slap coffee around. Yeah. She tries to step in, takes a backhand. And then they, they beat Carter with baseball bats uh, a, a little more. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they realize they should probably get out of there. Uh, but before they leave, one of them has to uh, uh, molest coffee. Yeah, he just like, as he's walking out the door, he just like, oh, turns around, like reaches over and like tears her top of her shirt off yeah. and like rubs her breast a little bit <laughs> and then just leaves. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, what? he just had to <laughs> add that in. Like there, like there wasn't enough scenes with Pam Greer naked. He just had to throw another one in there. I think he took his gloves off to do it. Did they have gloves on? I don't know. But yeah. Maybe I made that up. But, yeah, he had to stop to uh, cop a feel, uh, and then he he made his way out. Yeah, regardless, uh, women and Pam Greer in general are just treated like shit in this movie. And it's pretty great when everyone gets their comeuppance, because they yeah. all do. <laughs> yeah. So let's move on here. Coffee's next targets are a pimp named King George who is supposedly one of the largest providers of prostitutes and illegal substance, substances in the city, and mafia boss Arturo Vitroni. Coffee questions and abuses a former patient of hers who, has, who was a known drug user to gain insight into the type of woman King George likes and where he keeps his stash of drugs. This is the first scene where Coffee brutalizes another woman and shows no remorse because the former patient is using drugs again and thus a societal deviant. Coffee quickly goes to... A resort posing as a Jamaican woman looking to work for King George. So, she goes to a former patient's house who was in the hospital because her face was cut up. And she helped her stitch it back, pretty much. Yeah. And she's asking questions. And uh, apparently she's a lesbian. Her lover's not there at the moment. I don't think she... I don't know if she's a lesbian, but I I think that other lady was her pimp. She had a female pimp. Okay. Is there a is there a word for word for, or like a term for that? I'm not thinking of. Uh, I don't know if they have gender specific terms for pimps. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a pimp. Expert. Tweet at us. Hashtag coffee. Hashtag pimp names. <laughs> <laughs> pimp gender. Um, pimpettes. Yeah, pimp <laughs> pimpette. That's a good one. <laughs> the pimpettes. Uh, <laughs> So she starts asking her questions, and the girl's pretty forthcoming with information until she asks where King George's stash is. And it's, yeah. wait a minute, <laughs> you get out of here! I'm gonna get you, get in trouble. Yada yada yada. They start fighting. She takes out a knife. Coffee breaks a big bottle. Yeah, it's like you know, don't fuck with me. You have no idea <laughs> what's about to happen to you. And uh, she's roughing her up when her yeah, we don't know what girlfriend pimp. I think it was a pimp. Whatever she comes in 
What you, starts, you know, berating her while she, she first. I leave for 30 minutes and you're doing this shit. You know? Yeah, you white trash. And she even uses a racial slur describing coffee, even though she is a black woman as well. Um, she starts to fight with coffee, but coffee gets out and she just changes her focus to the other girl. So the uh, the patient actually says, uh, you know, she's talking about how she got cut and she's like, I should have never called King George the N word. And she actually says it, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, yeah, probably not. <laughs> yeah. <And> she's tell- <laughs> yeah, she's telling that to coffee like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have called him the N word. It's like, yeah, probably. <laughs> like first of all he's already your pimp and <laughs> second of all uh you, you know you probably shouldn't piss him off <laughs> any more than you already do by not bringing all the money that you should be <laughs> yeah you know bringing enough money in bitch it's like the last thing king george needs is a, a mouthy and racist prostitute so then uh when she goes to like the resort we're introduced to king george and he has his own theme song. But yes. first, we should preface it by, why don't you describe what he's wearing? King George. <laughs> oh, man. He's, uh, he's decked out in all yellow. He's got the pimp hat, the pimp cane, and he is pimping. Yeah, it's like a yellow or gold oh, yeah. type of color. Gold for the money. It is. He's looking pretty baller. <laughs> I take that back. It's green for the money, gold for the honeys. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Here is his theme song and his introduction. you got the name from the song because they say it about 80 fucking times he's got a strong game and he's gonna use you uh, uh, he's a pimp pam greer's jamaican accent is amazing by the way <laughs> you think so i read it written down i was like what do you think of pam greer's jamaican accent <laughs> maybe not the greatest but uh it's it, it's it works actually, it's not very good but king george has never been to jamaica how would yeah. he fucking know yeah exactly George, George, George. <laughs> He's a pimp. He's a pusher. It's pretty funny how. Yeah, they just like all the exposition is just like in songs, so they just explain to you King George's through his theme song and like Pam Greer gets her coffee gets her own a little yeah. later. I'll just play hers right now just for you know, just to do it. <laughs> Baby, 
sweet as a chocolate bar. Because <laughs> she's undercover. <laughs> I didn't do the whole song, but <laughs> it pretty much sums it up, though. Yeah, it, it literally tells you what happened throughout the whole movie up until that point. Full of tragedy and tears, which is, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's her life. Um, but yeah, it's funny. I was just like, oh, in case you forgot, here's what we've been doing the first hour of the, of the movie. Here's a recap. And uh, the woman you're looking at right now, her name is Coffee. <laughs> She's sweet like a chocolate bar. <laughs> so uh they're introduced well so they introduce themselves to each other and uh, he brings coffee back to his place back yeah. to his lair and we meet uh several of george's women he's he's got a phone service actually like he's yeah. got a receptionist that takes orders and uh yeah receptionist that's not even a prostitute so he yeah. just hooks up other prostitutes and she, she's a good looking woman yeah she takes the orders and then she uh, sends the girls out on their uh, on their quests, you know, <laughs> <laughs> out to meet their man. All right, let's get back into the story here. George is quickly interested in her exotic nature and asks her to come with him back to his house to experience coffee himself first. One of the prostitutes returns from a faraway job and gets disgruntled and jealous when seeing George taking out such a liking to coffee. Well, she was George's bottom bitch. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, it's her man, and I got a clip from that. Um, she's telling him how you know I, the guy was paying me a thousand dollars just to be seen with him. Yeah. The day. Was, you know, I need some loving from my, the only kind of loving I can get from my man. And uh, then she meets uh, Coffee, who goes by the name Mystique. Who's this? Meg, I want you to meet Mystique. Mystique? What kind of name is that? It's Jamaican. She's going to be a big asset to our organization. Now, look, why don't you run in the other room, get yourself a cup of coffee while I check her out? Check her out? What do you mean, check her out? What's there Meg. to check out? It's business. Now, go on in there and get a cup of coffee. It's for the big man. Big V. <laughs> big V. Someone better turn the fan on. I think the temperature's rising. Cindy, love, this one's for you. Oh, no. Not the fat man again. That one at the end, she had, like, a whole bunch of, like, sores on her back that they're... Oh, I must have missed that. I don't know what they're doing, because, uh... The one girl was, like, putting ointment on it or something, and she's like, just stay off your back for, like, two weeks. Like, okay, okay, that's what she was doing. I thought I, those two were kind of were you know together, um, you know, lesbians because she was rubbing them, and then like she's like, oh, I gotta go. You know, she kisses her goodbye. She's got to go to her job. It might be, but it's just a blowjob at some guy's <laughs> office. Okay, 
But I don't, I don't know. She had like some open sores on her lower back, and I don't know what they were or what they're from. But uh, do you get sores from syphilis on your back? Isn't that I don't know. something to syphilis? I think it has something to do with syphilis. I don't. It may be. But uh, she got it bad. But uh, she had to go. <laughs> she had to go service the fat man again. Apparently. Yeah, I love the. Uh, it goes along with the. Uh, three to one ratio it's like these people in here uh, they aren't the greatest actors and when they say these lines like they're supposed to be funny like they say them like they're hoity-toity like <laughs> three to one ratio <laughs> yeah. somebody better turn the fan on i think the temperature is rising <laughs> it's so fucking funny because they're just like in a just a harem of prostitutes in some brothel. <laughs> I'm not convinced it was supposed to be funny. I just think it was, they got some low budget actors who, yeah, you know, and they couldn't do a lot of takes probably. Yeah. But just, we're not big for these <laughs> spent mostly on uh special effects and I mean, somewhat actors, but I mean, there's not in these films, there isn't, a massive cast. I mean, there might be a lot of people, but a lot of them are small roles. Yeah, probably people who don't have a lot of experience in the in the movie industry. I mean, Carter. When Carter gets hurt and he's in the hospital, that's pretty much the last you see of Carter. Yeah. So he's in there for like twenty minutes, and then he's like, "Well, they turned him into a vegetable." The doctor much. said he might be able to use the bathroom by himself again, but uh, that's about you know the extent of his recovery <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah but she's like this is mystique mystique what kind of name is that jamaican <laughs> it's for the big man big beef <laughs> big v i love king george he's it's hilarious for, it's for big v <laughs> i thought he said big beef no i think he's a big v for vitrioni or vitroni whatever his oh, name okay was. Arturo. That would make sense. Yeah, Vitroni. Um, so the next thing I have is that uh, Coffee switches out, uh, or she gets into uh, King George's stash, and she switches his smack with uh, some sugar. Well, if, let's talk about his stash. What What's going on with his quote-unquote stash? It's a he, pill bottle. He's supposed to be King George, you know, the, the top you know it's heroin pusher in the city and he's got maybe two grams i was like what the fuck i was like even if that's uncut you're gonna cut that into right. double so you have two pill bottles of heroin right so you can sell that to about you know eight people and then you're done for the week that's your stash <laughs> that he meticulously hides underneath his fire you get he's got a nice little pad there yeah um it's, it's like a fireplace with it's like in a cigar box in the uh, the ash of the fireplace. Yeah, there's like a like a metal slate. It's like a tray a false filled bottom with ashes. And then he had uh, I don't even know if it was uh, it looked like fake wood. It's like yeah, when they, with some I, fake I'm guessing wood it was a it. gas fireplace where they had yeah. the fake wood like the rock wood maybe that it would, you know, fire would come up through, make it so, look kind of real. Yeah, so yeah, like a cigar box buried in the ashes and then he had like uh, i don't know pill bottle (laughs) yeah like maybe a couple grams of heroin (laughs) like i was so confused i was like god i hope brett can explain this to me because he doesn't seem like much of a drug pusher (laughs) i heard the song he's a pusher he's a pimp 
I see the ladies. I don't see a whole lot of stuff to push. Maybe it's like dog day afternoon where uh, she got in there after they came and cleared out the vault. Yeah, perhaps. But, you know, all is he just cleared out his stash and put it on the street that afternoon. And then uh, she got the leftover. So then they, uh, after they get down, because, um, yeah, the next scene is just them two getting down, right? Uh, I don't remember. Play. Pam Greer, Robert, Pam Greer undresses. Then King George comes in. He undresses. Okay. And then they head to. I didn't write that down. The next thing I have is the uh, the little party downstairs. Is that with the cat fight? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's where we're going to next. There's a party that they're attending. It's all the prostitutes are there. King George, some of his men, and also Vitroni's there. Yep. With with his you know his crew. And it's uh, you know a nice little party, but uh, the bottom bitch isn't still too happy about coffee or mystique, mystic, mystic, <laughs> and uh, she wants to embarrass her a little bit, so she pretty much gets the waiter to go over to her with these like ice cream kind of drinks, like red. They looked like fruit and like ice cream and like booze. Yeah, yeah I'm weird. not sure what it was. But she basically just clears out a whole tray onto <laughs> coffee. It's yeah. pretty obvious she just did it on purpose. She said, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. And coffee plays it off like, you know, accidents will happen. Actually, I think that was her excuse to go up to George's uh, room to get the stage. Yeah. That's what she used because, you know, there's shit all over her dress. And it's like a white dress. And yeah. like the stra- one strap had popped off, of course. Well, the, <laughs> the girl just like ripped it because she was pretending to help wipe it off or something. Yeah. But, uh, and so she changes a little bit, but she also, she steals the stash. She goes in the bathroom and then she puts, she gets prepared for this. Yeah. And this was a little fun fact. This was her idea to do it. Pam Greer's. Pam Greer's idea on set. She's just like, ah, why don't we do this? Where she put razor blades in her head, in her hair. In her hair, yeah. She's wearing like an afro pretty much the whole movie. But in this scene, it's a little, it's a it's little not, different. Yeah. It's a little more tied back, maybe, but it's still, you know, poofy, yeah. I guess, kind of, but a more of a wet look. But stuff you could hide razor blades in. So she sticks a bunch of razor blades in her hair. Yeah. Knowing that I'm going to fuck this bottom <laughs> bitch up and she's going to fight back by grabbing my hair. And that isn't going to turn out too well for her. It's about to go down. So she comes back in and all hell breaks loose. And like I was talking with Brett off air, I'm we're thinking maybe this. Might be the movie that led to the fantasy or stereotype of people wanting to see cat fights because cat fight between you know two women uh, because they might see a boob pop out. In fact, yeah. I'm thinking of a movie right now of them explaining like, "What's your infatuation with you know girls fighting?" And they're like, "Oh, a boob might pop out." Can't think of what that's from. I think right they now, did but... that on Seinfeld. Maybe. Because um, they kept. Uh accusing Elaine of getting in cat fights with uh, Molly Shannon. Oh, okay. Yep. What is men's infatuation with cat fights? It might be what it's from then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this this may very well have started it. I know there was plenty of sexy oops, excuse me. You know there's a lot of sexy women in film type movies, you know, caged heat, stuff like that. Women behind bars. Yeah. And, 
I don't know if this uh, started it, but it definitely uh, reinforced it. Reinforced maybe. it, and uh, perhaps popularized it. Yes, because coffee is one of the more mainstream black exploitation, or at least more well-known black exploitation films. Yep. So. A cat fight breaks out. And, and all the titties come out. All of them. Uh, there's at least six women involved in this, and every one of them gets their shirt ripped off by the other women. That's like Coffee's main move is just ripping <laughs> their top off. Well, people have been doing it to her for so long, <laughs> at least during the movie. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a pretty pretty sweet fight. You know, Pam Greer can handle herself, of course, and these women are coming after her. And King George wants to break it up, but uh, Vitroni is like, oh, no, no, brother. We, <laughs> let's, gonna, let's, see let's see where this goes. I was like, woo! Because <laughs> coffee starts it off. She comes back out, and she takes this huge bowl of salad. And She's like, like, did you get some salad? And she just dumps it on the woman. Yeah. And that's what kicks it off. So, And then that same, you know, the bottom girl. She goes for uh, two handfuls of hair. And comes out with some uh, bloody hands. Yeah, very bloody hands. <laughs> Puts her out of action for a week. Yeah. And King George is like, a week? <laughs> yeah, no, 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 that's okay, that's okay. <laughs> Finally shows some okay. compassion. Obviously it's not okay. Yeah. But he's just saying it, you know, to not hurt her feelings. But yeah. she wants uh, she wants some loving from him anyways and he's like uh, yeah this is all like right after maybe later the fight pretty much like the next she's day she's got a black eye her, her face are is, all wrapped up she's all tore up mangled yeah she's she's not selling anything for the next week yeah <laughs> how long have you been on commission oh, about a week Ugh. and he's just like mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's fine that's fine, that's fine. okay <laughs> she's like but i need some loving from you he's like uh maybe later yeah, because uh, in the meantime, uh, like we said, Vitroni is infatuated with coffee at after seeing the fight, and he wants he wants some coffee. Yeah, his very discreet tastes about what he likes from women. He likes to have them come to his place and crawl around on the ground, and where he might whip them or kind of just treat them like dogs or animals. He, he spits on them. And- yeah. In the case of black women, will berates them, berates them with slurs and whatnot. Yeah. Which he does to uh, Coffee when she gets to his room. He gets right into it, too. Like yeah. he, he's very nice when she gets there, but once they get into it, he uh, doesn't hold back. And she doesn't sleep with him because, you know, she's trying to kill him. Well, she pulls a gun on him. Yeah. Before they get to that point. But, uh, but Arturo's a smart man. He sees it coming. And uh, his two goons uh, put a stop to it before she can pull the trigger. Yep. I'll pick it off or pick it up right there. She lies and tells Vitroni that King George ordered her to kill him, which makes Vitroni order George to be murdered. Vitroni's men kill George by dragging him through the streets by a noose. So I'm going to stop it right there because that scene is pretty crazy. Omar, so Sid Haig, shows up yeah. with another henchman guy. Yeah, to, I forget what his name was. But the other guy was the one that uh, sniffed out Coffee's plan to kill Arturo. Okay. And they come to pick up George, and George thinks it's like, like it's, because I think they were going to meet anyways to talk business, but he thinks uh, he's going to be rewarded because Coffee's such a, you know amazingly beautiful woman and crazy and bad, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, he wasn't, he didn't expect, uh, omar and the other guy to be there 
and Omar is sitting in the back of George's car with the gun pulled on him. Mm-hmm. And uh, so George is freaking out. And then he's like, uh, oh, you guys are joking. What a great joke. This is, <laughs> you guys are so funny. Studs. Then, then he's just like just gloating about how great uh, Mystique is and, you know, how uh, how much uh, Vicheroni is going to be thanking him and, you know, rewarding him for such a great find. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he realizes they're not going to where he thinks they're going to. They drive out to pretty much kind of the middle of nowhere. He's like, yeah, this'll do. They get out of the car and what they, his, Sid Haig has been talking about, oh, I got a, we got a surprise for you. And then the surprise is a noose. Yeah. So I got a new necktie. And he's, what is it called? What does he call it? Oh, I forget. He gives some little, about. little stat about it. Yeah. Descriptive something or other. But he, yeah, he puts a noose around his neck and then he, uh, the other end of the noose goes into the car and Sid gets in the driver's seat and, uh, yeah, hits the gas. And so we start, you know, King George's running along with the car until he can't anymore. And then he's just, Sid Hague's just, like, weaving down the street so, like, the body's dragging and it's, like, hitting the curb on either side. And then it's in, like, an alley and he's hitting boxes and crates and running into everything. And by that time, you know, it's been, it's a dummy, obviously, it's, obviously dummy but still it, it's pretty fun to watch it's pretty brutal actually. yeah it, it's brutal i mean not fun and like but like no it's fun <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like uh, toxic avenger a little bit it reminded me of like that when those bodies get hit by the cars and whatnot in citizen toxic they do a very similar scene uh but in that movie uh the character's legs arms and body come off and then he just ends up being a head for the rest of the movie (laughs) in this one he just gets scraped up really bad um and obviously his neck probably broken too um yeah and sid hags just starts doing donuts pretty much just going in circles at the end and then he just rams it head first like right into like a pole yeah he's he's running the car into stuff the whole time and then he just like he's like fuck it i'm gonna just end it yeah it's a nice car it's it's like a limo it's yeah it's like why is he destroying that car obviously he's he's gonna kill king george okay we get that but like why not keep the car it was george's car too and they uh, george's driver was in there and they they're like oh by the way if you want some work hit us up yeah (laughs) so why not keep the car seems like you'd want to keep that I don't know how they got back either, because I don't know if they had a car in that (laughs) parking lot or or what they were doing. If they had a walk back. Yeah, they they definitely didn't have a car there waiting for them that they drove. They just cut away, and we we assumed they they walked back. Uh, I'll just finish off the story here, and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, Coffee then discovers her clean-cut boyfriend is actually corrupt when he's shown to him or when she's shown to him at a meeting of the mob and several police officials. He denies knowing her other than as a prostitute, and Coffee is sent to her death. Once again, Coffee uses her sexuality to seduce her would-be killers. They try injecting her with drugs to sedate her, but she had switched those out for sugar earlier. Faking a high, she kills her unsuspecting hitmen with a pointed metal wire she fashioned herself and hid in her hair. 
Running to avoid capture, Coffee carjacks a vehicle to escape. Coffee drives to Vitroni's house, murders him, and then goes to Brunswick to do the same. He pleads for forgiveness, and just as she is about to accept, a naked white woman comes out of the bedroom. At this, Coffee shoots Brunswick in the groin. The film then closes with Coffee being satisfied at having avenged her sister and Carter, where she walks off into the sunset on the beach. So first off, yes, she is led to Vitroni's place pretty much, or the meeting of Vitroni and Brunswick and some of the police officials, because there's a cop outside that's just, or Brunswick shows up and the cop's like, or he asks the cop what he's doing here. And he's like, I don't know. And I don't want to know. And he's like, that's, that's the way it should be, officer. You know, thank you, yada, yada, yada. And there's another cop inside that just kind of outside the meeting room door, just watching things. And uh, he gets in there, and uh, I have a little, I have a clip from it here where Vitroni confronts Brunswick because he assumes that if he knows her, that he must have also been in on her trying to kill Vitroni. Yeah. So let's take a look at that clip. Got a hundred to you, Lever. You're a hundred percent right. He knows her all right. He introduced her to me one night. Sure, I know her. She's just some broad I fuck. What's she doing here? This broad you fuck tried to kill. That's what she's doing here. She's just some broad I fuck. <laughs> yeah, it's a fucking asshole. <laughs> Like he turns on her like like that, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, she's just like, "What? What are you doing? <laughs> like, what are you doing here?" Just some broad I fuck. Another <laughs> good example of how the women are treated in here. I like too that Brunswick. They show him shooting a a campaign commercial, and it's all about empowering the black community and you know doing everything right by the the black uh, community. And then uh, later he's like. You don't believe that shit, do you? Like, I just, I just do that for the cameras. I don't fucking believe that. <laughs> um, let's see. Let's take up the last of my notes here. Because she kills Sid Haig with a... It almost looked like a bobby pin that she bent apart and then sharpened the edges of it on rocks. She was being held in a sauna. Yeah. And there was a bunch of rocks in there. And was it like a bobby pin that she kind of whittled or yeah, kind of sure sharpened down to points, like but, two points? But, uh, yeah, she's in the sauna. They have all the, the stones in there. and he's, He opens the door. He's like, "Don't you're not going to hit me with one of them rocks, are you? She's like, no, I'm so weak from what dehydration and lack yeah. of food. that yeah. came from even, hunger. Yeah, something like that. Um, so, she, yeah, she's uh, playing a little ruse. I just wrote down that coffee kills everyone. <laughs> yeah. Because she does. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, they drive her out. They're going to kill her like underneath like an overpass or something like like under a bridge. That's right. They, and uh, they Sid Haig, uh, well, she, well, he wants to get on some actions. Probably because it was him that molested her earlier when he beat up Carter. Yeah. When he just had to get a cop of feel on her breast before he left. So she entices him like uh, he's going to shoot her up with the heroin, which she had switched out with sugar. Yeah. So she's playing it off like she's high. This is what's going on. So he's like dragging her out of the car over to like, I don't know, 100 feet away where he's just going to bang her on some crates or something. Yeah. And then she kind of just hops to and stabs him in the neck with that sharp bobby pin she had in her hair. Mm-hmm. 
um, in the neck a couple of times. Then she runs off. And she gets in that car. And she does, like, the car, <laughs> drives to Vetroni's house, and just plows right into the house. Yeah. Just drives going in there like 40 miles an hour. That's <laughs> the way to do it. And then she gets out and blows him away. Because she gets out and shoots him with a shotgun, right? I think so, yeah. I think there might have been another cop in there still, one of those crooked cops. Yeah, she just killed everybody. She kills a lot of people. Yeah. And then she gets back to uh, Brunswick's house. And uh, he's, oh, I thought you were dead. And yeah, yeah. Um, he's starting to try and kiss and make up when the white woman comes from upstairs. She sees her. Was that George's girl or was that just some other random white I, woman? I think it was, it was another girl. OK, because I don't think she didn't have bruises on her face all or right. band- bandages on her hand. Maybe I just think all white people look alike. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're so racist. Wolfie <laughs> T. God. So. After she sees him, or her, I should say, yeah. uh, he's like, oh, I, you got to understand, I thought you were dead. It's like, <laughs> it's you like, thought she was dead for a half hour? <laughs> yeah, when that I was got like somebody? 30 minutes ago. <laughs> like, How did he even have time to get home and get this going on before she got back? Yeah, I'm guessing she was just there the whole time because he hadn't set anything up with coffee prior. Yeah. His coffee was on the down low, you know, fucking around with King George and whatnot. So she shoots him right in the dick, which is pretty yeah. fitting. Although I wish it would have been a little more graphic. I was like, she's aiming at his dick, but I didn't see his dick explode. Like, I would have figured that for an exploitation film, oh. which is another hallmark, you know, with their... I was I mean, okay. I was okay with the little <laughs> graphic. <laughs> I mean, in the beginning, you see that guy, a huge hole go through that guy's head from the I, shotgun. I mean, a lot of exploitation films, it's a lot of blood. It's a lot of nudity. It's a lot of extreme everything pretty much that's right i don't know things uh, in bad taste i don't know how much uh exploding dick they could get away with in 73 well i just i just didn't need like <laughs> a dick necessarily to explode but a squib or something to pop down there i thought they had they had some some blood not much though it was, wasn't enough <laughs> for how he treated her i wanted more i wanted more dick boom oh man maybe she should have shot him in the other head and then they they could have done that too yeah they got him and then uh it ends pretty quick right after that she just walks out the door well she doesn't she doesn't do anything to the other woman yeah she just kind of looks at her and then walks out she doesn't say anything to her does she i can't remember i don't think so i think she just leaves and then that's it because he lives right on the beach so she's walking on the beach credits roll you know it's yeah. her start of a brand new day and a, and a brand new in the life of coffee and she's never gonna get caught because well probably nobody gives a shit because they're all drug dealers <laughs> yeah like oh well, this is a favor although most of the cops are corrupt so that that's probably a revenue stream that's uh that's lost for them yeah she's the dexter of the 70s i guess um couple of the, there's a few fun facts here just a couple points of interest from Miss I or Mr. IMDb. Um, like we said, you know that razor blades was her idea. Movie was shot in 18 days, apparently, which makes sense for a lot of these low-budget films. There isn't a lot of time to do it either. Yeah. That's part of the restrictions of the budget. Surprising success of this film forced American International Pictures to fast-track Pam Greer's next picture, Foxy Brown, which it released only nine months later. 
So yeah, that's why this one was like the big coming out party for Pam Greer. And then it was Foxy Brown, Friday Foster, a bunch of stuff like that. Um, Vitroni's home was actually that of Western movie legend Roy Rogers. Um, body count, 10, which is, you think it's a little more, that's but a, it's about what they show. Probably, yeah. Because she didn't kill any of the bitches. Yeah. And we're using bitches in the classical term of <laughs> uh, stable of, or as uh, Frank from Always Sunny would say, whores. <laughs> Dirty whores. They were prostitutes, yes. And they were kind of bitchy. I mean, they treated coffee like shit. That they did. You know, pour, pour some uh, drinks on her, you know. Mm-hmm. Fighting. Mm-hmm. They were jelly. <laughs> Soup's jelly. Um, closing thoughts about this film. What do you have? Uh, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, you can definitely see uh, how it influenced uh, Tarantino, like we mentioned earlier. Yeah, I, I've seen Foxy Brown. I, it's Foxy Brown has a similar storyline, um, but there's not as much action in that one. Um, I would definitely pick Coffee over Foxy Brown if I had to choose one. Um, obviously probably want to watch both just for you know comparison's sake at least but uh foxy brown she's a prostitute or she's not she pretends to be a prostitute right to kill people yeah so uh her brother and foxy brown her brother owes money to his drug dealer and uh foxy uh pretends to be a prostitute to uh get in with the drug dealer and get revenge so yeah, a lot of these films are revenge films. Yeah. Uh, another reason maybe why Tarantino's films have a lot of revenge <laughs> is a major factor. That and westerns. Yeah. Westerns, there's a lot of... Westerns are mostly revenge stories. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Coffee is fucking fantastic. I loved it. Figured I would. I love Pam Greer. And that's the thing. I haven't seen her in a lot of things. She's in a lot of stuff in the early 90s. Like little bit parts, like she's in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Yep, and she's in uh, what's well, the she was she was actually George Carlin in that movie. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> George Carlin was wearing Pam Greer as a suit <laughs> that he zipped down at the end. Miss Wardrobe. She was in uh, Fresh Prince. Uh, I think she was Will's girlfriend's mom who tried to sleep with Will. Mm. I don't she, know if she was. Uh, Tyra Banks's mom on the show or somebody else's she was in escape from LA I know that another you know smaller role but those are an escape from New York and LA movies are gonna be movies slightly exploitative um so that kind of fits along with that but yeah I'm excited to watch more I almost did I almost went with Foxy Brown for this but I figured well Coffee is kind of the one that started it, I guess. It wasn't her first film or anything, but I think Coffee was. It started the, right the real Pam Greer train. Yeah. Coffee was the right choice. Uh, how do you take your coffee? Black, like my men. <laughs> <laughs> Should have had the airplane reference in here. Uh, um, yeah, go out and see Coffee. Of course, I'm assuming you have if you listen to all of this, because we ruined the whole movie for you. But, uh, yeah, that's what we're going to be doing for the rest of the month. Uh, we will be doing our 
top 10 favorite films of the year and Oscar preview of that stuff. But other than that, it's going to be black exploitation. Yep. Dolomite next week. Dolomite. Go watch Dolomite. You will not regret it. And then go out and watch uh, Live and Let Die and Jackie Brown. You'll be caught up with us by the end of the month. I'm not as excited about that one, but it's still pretty good. What, Jackie Brown? Uh, Live and Let Die. Oh, Live and Let Die. Yeah, that's uh, that's more ja- of a fun one. Jackie Brown is amazing. Live and Let Die is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to compare the two like that. I just figured it'd be a good perspective to get more of a mainstream film that had black exploitation elements. It's uh, yeah. I guess you time. could call it black exploitation, but uh, it's man, a Bond movie first. Main character is white. All the black people are bad guys. Uh, but there are a lot of black actors in there for sure. It's definitely mm-hmm. uh, much more diverse than your average Bond movie. Yep. And the music is changes a lot from typical <laughs> Bond music. There's a lot of. I mean, it takes place in New Orleans mostly. Yep. Down in the swamp, there's a lot of more funk type music in it. You know, jazz that type of stuff. That's that's the one thing about the black exploitation movies of the seventies. They have fantastic funk soundtracks, mm-hmm. it's, which uh, is where Quentin finds them all. Funk and disco, uh, yeah, they're fantastic. Even the westerns have funk uh, soundtracks. <laughs> oh, the the black exploitation westerns you're talking about, like uh, Fred Williamson and Boss. Okay, yeah, Boss <laughs> Slur is what we'll say. There's a movie called Boss N Word. They yeah they uh, they. So there's another it. famous black exploitation film. They shortened it in uh, in modern packaging, but uh, oh, it just says Boss now. It just says Boss. Yeah. Okay. Although when I when I recorded off a TCM. They uh, they called it Boss, but they had the poster with the full name on it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, Comcast, huh? Yeah, on the Comcast uh, channel guide. All right, yeah. I'm excited. I'm going to see Dolomite this weekend. Pretty pumped. Uh, other than that, please rate and review our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. I prefer iTunes, but not everyone's an Apple person, so... Get it any way you can. Uh, you, you can, can get iTunes on anything, though. Is it really easy? Is it easy now for, like, Android to put iTunes on it? I don't, I don't know. Not on... But if you have a PC, you can have iTunes. Yeah. But, I mean, a lot of people just listen on their phones. They have phone, Androids. So they, they would use Stitcher, most likely. You probably download it on iTunes and then put it on your phone. Yeah, I'm sure it's a real bitch, though, trying to figure it out. Probably not. Like an Android. I don't know. Anyways... You can email us at watchthismovie at yahoo.com. Criticism, compliments, just want to chit-chat, suggestions, what have you. Follow us on Twitter at watchthis underscore movie. Check out our website, wtmwatchthismovie.com. Other than that, we'll check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right, check you later. Bye. Wait, man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking about? Check you later. Check you later. (laughs) Hey, man, you're off my case.